You are listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, episode 98. Hi everybody and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew. And I'm Becky. And today we are going to be talking about hidden figures. Before we get started though, we do have a news story, or I, I should say an update to a news story, in that Lucasfilm and, and Disney, who are notoriously non-responsive to fan speculation, have g- gone ahead and put out a statement regarding the possibility of using a digital Carrie Fisher in future Star Wars movies, and uh, it's a real short statement, so I'll just go ahead and read it. We don't normally re- respond to fan or press speculation, but there is a rumor circulating that we would like to address. We want to assure our fans that Lucasfilm has no plans to digitally recreate Carrie Fisher's performance as Princess or General Leia Organa. Carrie Fisher was, is, and always will be a part of the Lucasfilm family. She was our princess, our general, and more importantly, our friend. We are still hurting from her loss. We cherish her memory and the legacy of pr- as Princess Leia and will always strive to honor everything she gave to Star Wars. So that's a pretty clear statement of, no, we're not going to do that. But I think the only reason, not the only reason, but the primary reason that those rumors even got started was because of Rogue One and the digital recreation of Tarkin and young Leia. Oh, no, absolutely. But I think with her with her passing away and, and her expectation to be spending, to be having a much larger role in episode nine... Yeah. I think it was just kind of a guarantee. People are like, oh, well, they've already done it once. They'll do it again. Right. Especially because, you know, whether or not you agree with the sentiment, there is the the thought and theory among fans that a lot of times, you know, Disney doesn't or Lucas doesn't care what the fans think. They're only doing it to, right. to you know, to make, make their movie and earn their money. So I think them responding to this is probably a, a good sign for, yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an excellent response. I'm really glad that they did, you know, squash those rumors quickly rather than letting it get out of hand. Yeah, especially because we'd have to wait till 2019 to see if they actually did that. Yeah. Because Car- Carrie Fisher obviously had finished her, her scenes for episode eight. All right, so Hidden Figures. So Hidden Figures is... Based on a true story, a team of African-American women provide NASA with important mathematical data needed to launch needed to launch the program's first successful space missions. So basically, this is the story of uh, several African-American women who worked uh, actually here locally at NASA Langley. And this is in the, the days before computers where they... The days before the computers as we know them. Right. <laughs> because throughout the movie, they refer to the women as computers, meaning people who do computations. Yes. So yes, but before <laughs> before the first IBM main mainframe showed up at NASA, these women were responsible for either performing the math or, or verifying the calculations of the engineers and the scientists to see if to to make sure that we would be able to successfully put men in space. Yep. So Becky, what did you think? I loved this movie. I thought it was excellent and i mean we can just go ahead and jump to the end i have never been in a movie that's been out a week already and had an audience applaud i've heard applause at the end of like big summer blockbusters or midnight premieres of star wars and you know the audience breaks out into applause but this movie's been out a week it's not a big action film there's not a whole lot of special effects or anything like that but you know we had everybody in the audience maybe not everybody but a vast majority of the audience burst into applause when the credits started rolling 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I've had such mixed responses from from audience audiences in terms of applause that I don't necessarily note that as any kind of one way or another. And I, I've honestly never understood the idea of applauding at a movie. I haven't either. But last night I was inspired. Like I felt the need to applaud because it was such a good movie, at least to me. Well, what did you think? I know I enjoyed the film. It's well made for one. I think the, you know, the, for the most part, especially the three leads were very good. Yeah. Kevin Costner was also very good. Jim Parsons, yeah, Yeah. middle of the road. (laughs) Kirsten Dunst, meh. But yeah, it it was definitely, it was a well-told story. And I really, I really enjoy with it. And you, you know, you definitely felt, felt empathy for the characters. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about Jim Parsons since we just brought him up. Because I... I feel like, and you know, I just haven't seen enough of his work because with the exception of Big Bang Theory and his cameo in the Muppet movie or the Muppets, you know, I haven't really seen a whole lot. And so this character, to me, it's just hard to get out of, shoot, what's his name on Big Bang Theory? Sheldon. Sheldon. Okay. Yeah. So it's so hard to get out of thinking of him as Sheldon. And in this movie, he's a similar character, not as over the top and autistic as Sheldon's character is, but still super smart, thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, just doesn't really respect other people. So I was like, I I would just like to see him in something different. And I know that he has a body of work behind him. I just haven't seen enough of it. Yeah, I mean, he plays a very stereotypical engineer. And the character we should note is actually... The character is fictitious. Yes. Having said that, uh, you know, especially knowing, you know, being an engineer and, and having seen what that was like, you know, in the 1960s and whatnot from, obviously I'm not old enough to have lived it, but having, you know, talked to people and, you know, you, you see and, and hear what things were like and you look, you know, I mean, he, he played it very much, you know, two part and it's not so, it, you know, it's one of those, it's not so much that I think he's playing this, you know, smarter than everyone else and whatnot kind of character it's just you know he was, it was very the character is very stereotypical which is fine fit the the movie very well but he didn't there wasn't anything else to him but being an engineer like the, it was just a very very one-dimensional character and i was just kind of going okay that's that's fine whatever yeah and really the only indication you get that he's you know had a change of heart or what have you is that the very last scene he he hands uh Catherine Taraji I'm probably saying her name wrong Taraji Henson's character hands her a cup of coffee which they made a big deal about her her coffee uh in the movie so you know there could have been there could have been a few more moments um and that has more to do with writing um that they had, they could have given him to allow him to show the change of heart the character development see the thing is on that one i don't think there was a a change of heart specifically Mm -hmm. so much as it is just an acceptance of a new status quo okay and and again being an engineer that that that's feels more to character yeah in terms of you know we're not exactly known for you know massive swings of emotion it's more (laughs) you're not yeah although this podcast is 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 you know run two-thirds by engineers so you know, take that for what you will. But <laughs> if you ever seen Dude and I really get into an argument? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it re- you know, it's the it's it's okay. This is what the, this is what the new normal is. Yeah. Okay. Work within it. Yeah, and we should also mention um, Kirsten Dunst 
character was also fictitious. So I think it's interesting the the two performances that were kind of one dimensional really were were both completely fictitious characters. Yeah, and I mean Kirsten Dunst. So I, and I don't, I don't want to dive too deeply into this only cuz I would think it's a slightly disingenuous that two, you know, young young white people are talking about Yes. You know, <laughs> racial racial struggles in the 1960s. You know, but Kirsten Dunst's character plays the very stereotypical 1960s Southern, you know, doesn't see themselves as, as racist. They're just, this is how things are. And I mean, it's very spot on the way she plays that. But at the same time, it's going, there's, there's nothing, to, there's nothing to the, the character. Well, and one line that was just so impactful and I think so apropos to today. I mean, it's impossible when watching a movie that centers around the civil rights era and everything. It's impossible not to get political, but Kirsten Dunst's character, Mrs. Mitchell, uh, most of her interactions in the movie are with Octavia Spencer's character, Dorothy. And, you know, they have some rough patches. And closer to the end of the movie, Miss Mitchell says to Dorothy, you know, I just want you to know that I don't, what did she say? I don't think less, or I don't dislike you or she. It was basically a you people line. Right. Yeah, it was. It was, was I don't have a problem with you people. And Octavia Spencer's character says, I know, I know you think that. And I think that was just, it was so impactful, especially with everything that goes on today with People who say, I don't have a problem with gay people, but they shouldn't be allowed to do this. Or I don't have a problem with Muslims, but I don't want them in our country. And, you know, without trying to get too political, it's just so, it was such a powerful statement that I just, I was like, I have to remember that line. And then I did a not great job of remembering it. Right. Well, I mean, again, you know, race plays a significant part in this film. Now, Kind of looking into it, you know, what you and I have found, certainly race in terms of 1960s in Hampton, Virginia, it, you know, that part, the outside of NASA part is, is probably fairly spot on, if not understated, I would think. Yeah. You know, obviously we're not, we're not in the deep South, but you know, but as the, the South is still the South, segregation was still the segregation. Right. And and they said, we don't care about Brown versus Board of Education. Virginia is still segregated and our law is the law. Right. So uh, they they made a big deal about the fact that Virginia was going against federal law at the time. Sure. To keep people segregated. I, again, as were most southern states. Right. But it, I think it is at least worth noting that, you know, and and this is according to the, the real real Katherine Johnson, is that you know, NASA was significantly more integrated than than certainly most of society and even in, to some extent that the film the film portrays. Yeah. Um, we did some research about the actual historical facts versus what's portrayed in the movie. And there was some exaggeration, especially on the part of of when they're at NASA. As Andrew just said, the the real Katherine Johnson said that she she felt accepted at NASA and and that she felt like she was treated as a peer. But there are some some aspects of the movie were exaggerated, but still prevalent the they make a big deal about the bathrooms yes um, 
that is a huge thing. She has to go across. She has to run half a mile away to use the bathroom because in the building where she's working, there are no colored restrooms. And according to what I read last night, the real Katherine Johnson, she actually was using what they considered a white only bathroom, but they, there were no signs to say white only. There were only signs that said colored. Right. So she said, I didn't realize that they were segregated bathrooms. So I kept using them. And in two years, only one person ever made a comment. And she said, I just ignored it. But Mary Jackson, who's the third character of the three leading ladies, um, apparently that is more accurate to what she she went through in that there were bathrooms available in closer proximity, but not every building had bathrooms labeled as colored only. So there were times when she would have to run to different buildings to use the bathroom. But, you know, it really goes to show you how much segregation does impact society. Like, and obviously segregation based on race is illegal now, but it still exists. And again, we're two white people sitting here talking about race. So take it for what you will. But, you know, it impacted in the movie, Catherine's ability to do her work because it took her forever to run across, use the restroom, and then come back. So, yeah. so what did you what did you think of the three leads? So it's, I, uh, uh, Tarji Henson, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monae. I thought all three of them gave fantastic performances. I think my favorite may have been Janelle Monae as Mary Jackson, just because she was her character is such a strong. I'm not going to take any shit character and I was thinking about this as I as I was watching the movie we think about when we think about stereotypes there's the stereotype of the strong angry black woman and you know oftentimes we might make fun of that stereotype but you watch a movie like this and you're like that stereotype exists because they had to be strong you're dealing with not only racism but you're dealing with sexism and and everything. I mean, those women had to be tough because that was the only way that they were going to get anywhere. But going back to the performances, I just I thought all three of them were just amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I actually think I like Octavia Spencer's performance the best. I mean, she can do no wrong. That woman is awesome. Yeah, she just in general, you know, it was a very very controlled. Mm-hmm. But but I also appreciate the fact that she was her face was very subtle but very expressive. Yes. You know, she and she sold you on what was going on inside even when it wasn't being stated out loud. Yeah. And I appreciated that. Yeah, she gave a very subtle nuanced nuanced performance. Yeah, I mean overall all three of them were they were funny, they were silly, they were serious, they were angry, they were just every emotion came across just excellently. So So one of the things I enjoyed seeing most, again, you know, we are in the Hampton Roads area and I have spent a fair amount of time in and around Hampton. I'm curious to investigate how how close down, you know, that the the downtown Hampton area actually looked like what what you see in the movie. But it was nice to, you know, kind of see what things were like, you know, back in the 60s in Hampton because it's changed a lot. Yeah. Early in the movie, they're they're driving to work and it's, you know, they're basically on a country road surrounded by farms and that doesn't exist in Hampton now. And I remember a friend of mine telling me, oh, yeah, you know, like the reason all the roads in Hampton are all screwy and, you know, <laughs> going all over the place because, yeah, they just followed the old farms. Yeah. So, I mean, being able to see that kind of thing, you know, especially again in, in an area that we're at least somewhat familiar with. 
And it's also, you know, a nice reminder for us of the area's history with NASA. I mean, this is where this is where the, the original Mercury 7 astronauts trained is is NASA Langley in in Hampton. Yeah. And they and they still do NASA work there right now. We uh, we have a friend who works there. Yep. I, I do want to find out from her how much how how much if any was actually shot on location. Yeah. Though I suspect that at least some of it was because uh, because of some of the buildings. Right. The other thing that kind of makes me think, you know, and and this is any time I watch this or see it is, you know, how much how much I, f- I just continually feel that we should be out in space doing things. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you, you see, I mean, you know, the, the rocket tests and everything, and I mean Kennedy's, you know, Kennedy's speech. You know, we go to the moon in this in this decade and do the other hard the other things, not because they're easy, but because they're hard. I mean, all of that is just like, what? Why have we given this up? Right. They said something in there. We. We have a space program. We need to be putting people yeah. in space. Right. And it's like, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. We, it's, it, you know, it's always fun to see, you know, at that back in that point where we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, they talked about literally we have to invent the math. Yep. As, as, it, as it turns out, they don't have to invent the math. They have to properly apply very, very old math, actually. But, you know, yeah, they had, they had no idea what they were doing and they had to figure out, figure it all out. Yeah. It is also kind. Of, it is also kind of fun to to get the mix. You know, again, I I being a a fan of all this kind of stuff. You know, I've watched you know uh, the right stuff and documentaries and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, this is. It's always fun to see different perspectives on it. Although I think you know certain like certain scenes from this movie are are far more calm than other scenes from <laughs> other similar scenes. I was thinking of um, specifically the scene when when Yuri Gagarin's the first men in space and the the mercury seven get in you know find out and in in hidden figures they're just you know very calm and watching a movie and in do the in uh, the right stuff like alan shepherd loses his shit (laughs) um one thing that i found interesting when we were researching what was historically accurate in the movie was that John Glenn actually did personally request Catherine to verify the math before he uh, before he launched on his orbit around the Earth, and I thought that was that was fat because you expect John Glenn actually like specified this particular woman and said I want her to do the math, and apparently that is true. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think that that plays. I- it plays into John Glenn's character as a person. I mean, he was just very, very, very kind, very, you know, positive, mm-hmm. very outgoing. There's a part in the movie where he he's the only one of the, the Mercury 7 who goes over and, and starts shaking hands with, with the African-American women. And, I mean, that, that fits perfectly with, with everything I have that and understood about John Glenn. Yeah. But, I, you know, I mentioned to you last night, though, I mean, so we, we, we get to see a little bit of Alan Shepard. We get to see a lot more of John Glenn because Catherine's more involved with John Glenn. Yeah. I was disappointed that we saw none of Gus Grissom. Yeah. So Catherine, in the movie, we only see, you know, the the three launches, John Glenn, or uh, Alan Shepard, Gus Grissom, John Glenn. And then obviously Catherine went on to work on Apollo 11 and also the Apollo 13 uh, rescue. So, I mean, she definitely, you know, she had a huge, uh, she's a huge part of the, the, the space program. But, you know, I think with, with, with Gus Grissom, to me, you know, for one, I think his story is a little more interesting. But up until the Apollo One fire, it, it was assumed Gus Grissom was going to be the first man on the moon until until he died. Right. And in movies like this, he frequently gets relegated to a a footnote because he's the second man in space. 
Yeah, but this movie wasn't about the Mercury 7. This movie was about the women who were doing the math. No, so. I, I, and I get that. But again, we focus on the two around him, the first American in space and the first American to orbit the, orbit the Earth. Right. And Catherine was involved in Gus Grissom's, but the only thing we see is a, is a report uh, cover page. Yeah. So, you know, to me, that just that's just disappointing. Yeah. You have anything else on this? Yes. Well, first, just from... We haven't really touched on the feminist aspects. I mean, we've talked a lot about race, and obviously, you know, the lead characters are female. But I think we have to address the fact that generally when you think of math and science, you think, oh, that's a that's a guy thing. Men are good at math and science, and, and women are told, not told, but society implies that women are not good at math and science. And as it turns out, Catherine is literally the only person who was good at, what was it, analytic geometry? Or Yeah. You know, they, they went down the hierarchy, if you will. They started with the white men, and then they went to the white women. And then at the bottom of the totem pole was this black woman who was able to do the math that everybody else couldn't. Well... Yes and no. Remember, at least for a significant portion of the movie, she's checking other people's math. Right. So there are other individuals who can do the math. She is the only computer who can do the math. Right. But the fact that she... The fact that all of the computers back then, or the way the movie presents it, is that the computers were female. Right. Um, and so you're relying on women to check the math. I mean, in order to check... You have to you have to be good at it. Right. Um, and and so the fact that that was a predominantly female job and now you think of computers and math and well, that's stuff that men do. Um, so I just I loved that it showed how back then math was definitely something that women did. Right. And we're good at excelled at. Right. Well, I mean, like, and if I remember it correctly, not only was Mary Jackson the first African American female engineer, she was the first female engineer at NASA. Yeah. And you know, Mary Johnson, first African American supervisor. Dorothy. Dorothy Vaughn. I'm sorry, Dorothy Vaughn. Yes. Yeah, Dorothy Vaughn. So I mean, you know, there's there is a just a lot of you hate to use the word groundbreaking because it's just <laughs> for something like this is a very cliched phrase, but there are a lot of you know first time first people doing things yes well and i and that's i think why i love mary jackson's character because she she totally embraces being the first whereas Catherine and dorothy they want to get ahead dorothy wants to get ahead for herself and because it's right and Catherine, she's she just wants to do the math and wants to do right by her country and um you know she she wants to break barriers, but right. at the same time, she's 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 very much concerned with getting these men back from space it's not safely. An, it's not an intentional decision on, on either Dorothy or Catherine's part. It is an intentional decision on right. Mary's part. Mary, Mary is very much like, I want to be an engineer, and I don't care that everybody is telling me that I can't. I'm going to prove them wrong. Like She is very much the... I don't know. What's the word? Not rebel, but... <laughs> We need another word for groundbreaking. But she she very much wants to pave the way for equality. Trailblazer. Trailblazer. That's the word. So she (laughs) is very much the trailblazer. And and she is doing things to advance herself. But she also recognizes that she's doing this for women and for African-Americans everywhere. So. Right. um, 
and and she's going to go to court and get what she knows is right. And she doesn't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, again, overall, this is a very, very good film. I don't think, I think it came out too late for Oscar contention this year mm-hmm. or in, in for 2016. I think it was previewed a little bit in 2016. But I would like to, I, I wouldn't mind seeing at least, at least, you know, supporting actor yeah our actress um nominations for for this for this i don't know that that taraji henson's performance was strong enough to warrant uh, a a leading act actress don't get us wrong she did a great job no she she did but i mean if you're looking at if you're looking at the three what i would call the three leads honestly i think the two the two supporting leads were, were even were stronger than yeah than she was but yeah I, I certainly think that this this movie has uh it's worth it's worth seeing and it's it's a very interesting yes i have one more point because i have to bring everything back to disney so if you've ever been to epcot in florida and written nope, never nope never nobody's ever dragged you to that <laughs> um if you've ever been to epcot and ridden spaceship earth otherwise known as the big ball there's one scene where they talk about the invention of the computer and that there's a new language you know learning how to speak with computers and basically the development of binary and code and whatnot but in that scene there is an african-american woman with a huge afro in like go-go boots and and it's just always been kind of a funny scene to me because because of the appearance of this woman well then during the credits of hidden figures and we see in the movie uh dorothy leads all of the african-american women computers right before they're about to be right about Right when they're about to lose their jobs because the IBM computer uh, has been developed, she teaches them all how to program. And so, oh, Fortran. <laughs> I don't even. I, I'm not. A, I don't even really know programming. I just know people go Fortran, and she's like, oh. <laughs> but anyways, so she teaches all of the women how to program the IBM computer, and so in the credits you see a picture of an African-American woman with a huge Afro working on the IBM computer. And I was like, it, to me, being a huge Disney nerd, I was like, that looks just like the scene from Spaceship Earth. And I was like, okay, so that's why they did that in in Spaceship Earth and Epcot. It's actually very accurate to how, to how those computers were run. So I've found that fascinating being the little Disney nerd that I am. Actually, uh... I did one more thing. Just the running gag that was the IBM computer installation. Yes. Because it, 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 I mean, it really was like Kevin Costner's character, you know, walks past the room at first and he like, it's completely empty. He's like, all right, where the hell is it? Like, when are we getting it? And then, you know, later on in the movie, they've got all the parts outside and they didn't bother measuring the door. So they, so the computer won't fit through the door. So they've got to, you know, break down part of the wall. <laughs> the later on, it's not, then later on, it's a double door. And like they're in there working, trying to put it together, and they can't get it to work. And it's just you know, it's the running gag that is the old, the old mainframe computer construction process. Well, and I found it interesting because you know, growing up learning the history of the space program and everything, I always learned that the development of computers of the IBM was what helped launch, literally, <laughs> launch us into space. And to see, and I don't know how accurate that timeline is as far as 
when the computers were installed and started, the IBM computers were installed and started working, you know, I assumed that it was well before the first men went into space. But to find out that, no, these women were actually the computers back then. And um, I'm going to have to check on the timeline and see. It would not surprise me that, that the computer was an after after thing, only because of knowing how haphazardly the, we took those first couple steps into space. I mean, we, yeah. were, we were fucking winging it and not in a good way. Yeah, because in, in this movie, it shows that the IBM computer only got up and running like a couple of weeks before John Glenn's flight. That's how the movie portrays it. So, yeah, I, I had always thought that those big, huge computers were essential to getting us into space and were like the linchpin to getting I, us there. I think I think. It's safe to say that they are the linchpin for some of the further, the, the bigger steps. Yeah. You know, just, I mean, now especially they, they really are. I mean, you know, in order to get, you know, if, we, if we ever get off our asses and finally get this shit moving, <laughs> getting to Mars, I mean, those kinds of calculations are, are heavily dependent upon computers. Yeah. But, you know, for the, for the, for the basic parabolic stuff, I mean, the reality is that, yeah, we can actually calculate that ourselves. Yeah. I mean, if, if you know, with a, a good mathematical refresher, I could probably do that. It's I all, probably it, couldn't. It's, all, it's also why, you know, they had, you know, 20 square mile recovery areas. Right. You know, I mean, approximately, you know, here's approximately where you're going to land, but, you know, ballpark. Yeah. So, all right, Becky, well, since, since you're, you're the guest here today, I'll let you start with uh, what you've been into. Well, I haven't had time to be... <laughs> into much of anything recently. Um, I've been stage managing a show that just opened up last weekend called The Farnsworth Invention, which actually applies to geek culture. If anybody's in the Hampton Roads area, I definitely recommend it down at Little Theater of Norfolk. But it's about uh, the invention of the television and, and the conflict between Philo Farnsworth and David Sarnoff. Um, Farnsworth being the inventor of the television and Sarnoff being the president of RCA who desperately wanted to own the patent on television. So anyways, and actually the show ends with the launch of the Apollo 11 rocket. So that's kind of cool. Bringing it back to hidden figures. But yeah, that's kind of consumed my life for the past couple months and especially this past week. So I'm happy that we're now into performance mode and it's just going to be on the weekend. So I get my weekdays back and weeknights back. And, you know, lately I've been rewatching Clone Wars as a means of relaxing. and Lots of Clone Wars. Lots of so many Clone Wars. <laughs> um, and recalling just how not chronological the episodes are. Yeah. You know, as much as I love that show, it is really out of order and not just like individual seasons i mean there are a couple times especially early on that episodes are like two seasons out of order yeah i think you know we get introduced to a bunch of the like the a couple of clones like fives and echo we get introduced fairly early on but then it's like a season or two before we see them as we get like the three episodes of them as trainees yeah so yeah that's that's kind of screwy what about you what have you been up to let's see what have i been into I feel like I haven't seen you at all this week, so. <laughs> not not much. Oh, crap. I actually don't know. <laughs> what have you been doing while I've been at rehearsal? A lot of podcast editing. Okay. I watched Indiana Jones again the other night. I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah, that's, that's a that. You've had to take the dog out while I've been gone? That's unfortunate, yeah. <laughs> 
Not, not nobody involved has enjoyed that. <laughs> I don't like it. The dog doesn't like it. No, it's nothing. Um, I fixed my office chair. It's, no, it's actually the biggest. <laughs> that's been that was actually slowly consuming my life. It was uh, my office chair broke? So I've been trying to you know fix that and you bagged and boarded all of the comics that my dad gave you for christmas i'm not i'm not through all of them but you said oh. i've gotten through uh, a significant portion of them there's there's some fun some fun finds in there it's, uh uncanny x-men 153 which is kitty's uh kitty's fairy tale it's a great issue and nice solid run of of captain america and, and of miss marvel so yeah that's good stuff You've also apparently been drinking a lot of coffee, as I see like seven coffee mugs right there. Uh, there's an uh, eighth eight? one hitting, hiding. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, most of the coffee mugs in the house are currently at my office. <laughs> yes, I've been drinking a lot of coffee. I've, I've been productive. Uh-huh. You say that. I do. Yeah, I have not been drinking coffee. Ever. Well, ever, but also for a reason. Do you want sure, us go ahead. to? Okay. So for those listening, in case you haven't figured it out yet, Andrew and I are married and what I <laughs> surprise you were there. You were involved. I yeah, may have right. heavily drugged you, but it's fine. <laughs> and we are expecting our first child in July. Yay. Yes, we're very excited. We are. <laughs> and uh, its name is Groot. So for now, for now, <laughs> <laughs> not permanently. Don't worry. I'm Mom. a nerd. I'm a nerd. I'm not that much of a nerd. <laughs> I don't hate my children. I mean, I don't. I mean, maybe I will. I don't know. Yeah, we'll figure. We'll find that out later. <laughs> yeah, check back in July or probably more like August. We'll we'll have a determination on that when I start going to work just so I can sleep. <laughs> Alrighty then. Yes. So we're very excited. Baby Groot is coming in July 2017. And yeah. So comment on what you think Andrew's gonna screw up on first, baby wise. That's not nice. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it going to be diapers, feeding? Diapers go on top, right? <laughs> Baby's going to come out in a parka in the middle of August. No, you wouldn't do that. No, I wouldn't. Do that. <laughs> not here. <laughs> Two month old with heat exhaustion. Yeah, that's just what I need. No, because you don't feel cold ever. So it wouldn't occur to you <clears throat> that anybody else could feel cold. People feel cold? Yeah. Oh, that's really sad. That's why I yell at you when you take the blanket off in the morning. Anywho, <laughs> I know you're going to cut like most of this. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I'll just leave it in. Who knows? You'll have to listen to find out. <laughs> Dang it. I don't usually listen. I'm the worst. I'm the worst wife. All right, folks. If you like what we do, make sure you head on over to Check out our blog posts and our podcast. You can fo- follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it. On iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. So once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Becky. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek. And now a little bit of file footage for y'all, just as a, an extra added treat. Uh, this this particular clip is from our 2016 in retrospect podcast, and it's where I told Dude and Tracy about Baby Groot. And of course, since we hadn't announced yet, I went and cut it out and saved it for y'all for right now. Uh, And I'm looking forward to some new adventures this year in that uh, Becky and I are going to be parents. Yay. Wow. So that one will actually be under embargo for a little bit because we're not going to announce for a few more weeks. But I figured I'd... I'd, So is this part going in the podcast or not? It'll go in later. Okay. That's awesome. So...